Welcome to the Mile High Podcast. We are your guides through sordid tales of pop culture, drugs, and saying the word fuck a lot. Our show is best experienced under the influence of cannabis. So now is your cue to light up. Now remember, drugs are dangerous, so please don't hurt yourself or your loved ones. But do subscribe. Everybody, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are across the country and around the world. I am James Thomas, and this is the Mile High Podcast. With me, as always, I have my friend Dave. Dave, how's it going, sir? How's it going? We missed you guys. It's been a while since we had a four-person show like this. Yeah, it was me. It was just me and you last time. It was a good show, though. I, we got was. a lot of really great response last week because, uh, you know, people like when we reminisce. We Like I said on our Facebook page, we got like... 38 years worth of memories between the two of us and uh, we have a lot of stories well we have a lot of people who are like jumping on it and now that we're broadcasting on a lot of different channels uh we get a lot of people jumping on and seeing it so this will be the first time that uh santori gets to be on there for one of them and uh when we go live and hopefully get a lot of people and also an introduction uh before we talk about Santori and his movie and everything, I'd like to introduce you to, you may have known her as Nancy, but surprise, surprise, she never was Nancy, my beautiful wife, as graces with our presence. Melody, welcome to the show where you can be yourself. Hello, thank you. It's so nice to be here and be able to be myself. That is what we wanted from you from the very beginning. Uh, but we understand sometimes still in this world when it comes to marijuana. Can I just point out one thing real quick? Uh, podcasting obviously is a very good lucrative business because look at the beautiful house that you guys have built behind you. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Chandeliers and everything. Yes. Right? We he appreciate. Um, and then, of course, Santori, who uh, came out to Colorado with us and everything, has returned to Minnesota. That's right. I'm back in Minnesota, Minneapolis. Back I love Minneapolis. Oh, I miss you. We <laughs> Definitely miss you. We are glad that you were able to go back and uh, be with your people, though, because I know right. that's you. Know. So it's, this is the great thing. You know, there's uh, so many negatives about having coronavirus and COVID-19, uh, but the invent of Zoom shows, I think, it has really been a positive. So being able to uh, bring Santori still into my podcast, even a couple thousand miles away, it's been amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, it's great to be able to jump in there and still have you be part of the things that we're doing. So, well, I, I appreciate the invitation, so thank you guys always for that. So, yeah, I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Absolutely. So, for those of you who don't know, tonight is our 90s music episode. As we all know, I haven't prepared anything at all. I do have a James's game, but my printer didn't work, so I'll be reading it off of the phone when we get to that point. But... You know, I've got strategy going on. But to start off, I would do what we like to do all the time, and I'm going to ask everybody what they've been up to, and I'm going to start with uh, Dave. Dave, what have you been up to? Uh, you uh, you picked the guy with the longest answer first. Good like job. It. Yeah, um, well, I've been watching Shit's Creek. I've been watching uh, Upload. Uh, me and everyone else in the world watched Hamilton like five times over the weekend. Uh, but one show that uh, I really – am into is a show called on HBO. It's a docu-series called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And it's based off of a true crime book by Michelle McNamara um, in her search for the Golden State Killer, 
which is was a prolific serial killer and serial rapist in in California that was was never caught and was uh, lost to the annals of time and just kind of forgotten about. But uh, Michelle McNamara made it her personal mission to uh, find the Golden State Killer, and in doing so, she ended up dying herself because she was um, having a lot of trouble sleeping after writing this book. And ultimately, she took a lethal accidentally took a lethal dose of sleeping pills that uh, acted poorly with her other medication, and she ended up dying before the book was even published. So, and if you guys have heard of Michelle McNamara, she is married or was married to Patton Oswalt, uh, and her death was very sudden. Um, but then, about two years ago, her book came out, "I'll Be Gone in the Dark," and. The book was insanely popular. It was an incredible book. I read it. Incredible book. Um, and then just months after the book came out, they caught the Golden State Killer, who just this week confessed to his crimes. And he was caught through uh, Ancestry.com. And so this, this show is based off of that book about the Golden State Killer. Which, and the show has been incredible so far. All right. We've, Mel and I have actually been watching the, at least the first episode. We really enjoyed that as well. Did you guys read the book at all? No. Yeah. Definitely go back and read the book. Uh, it'll give a lot more uh, detail to some of the, the killings and some of the, the different scenarios uh, that they presented. But great book and a great show so far. So uh, before we get another thing that you've been watching, Dave, I'd like to address, and this is kind of what we're trying to figure out about doing uh, a live show versus everything else. You can walk on through if you have. Um, so our live on the Mile High podcast chat room my buddy jesse is in there and uh we're gonna address this right now because he's watching and let's let's discuss this eve six inside out is the best song of the 90s ever. <laughs> best, best song ever and he says fight me so is anyone here just to start this off since we have somebody in our chat room anyone here disagree with me? I I have no idea what show you said or what the song was. It's called it's Eve Six, Inside it's, Out. Anything by Eve Six is uh, will not be anywhere in the consideration for best song of the day. Oh, Dave, sorry. Put that out. I agree. I agree. I agree with David. I agree yeah. with David. Yes. Oh, no. Eve Six. Eve Six is nowhere near. Ninety cent. They just sing how to slip in a song through the cracks and it became really popular and overrated and terrible to hear all the time on a radio station. And it was as one we, of those songs that I would change frequently. Yeah, as we'll yeah. discuss, Eve Six is uh, a direct uh, reflection of Nirvana, who is way more influential. And Eve Six is just a, like a watered down. Oh, now that we're calling him out, he's saying he was trolling. He wasn't trolling. Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, that, that I, yeah. Well, okay then. He's all right. Yeah, totally. No, he really meant. Everybody's that. entitled to their opinion. If you think right. E Six is the best in the nineties, <laughs> goddamn it, you stand firm on your belief. Right. <laughs> all right. And we'll get into that in a minute. Dave, what else are you watching? You watching anything else? Uh, I pretty much took up all the time for uh, just the. I'll be gone in the dark. So I highly recommend that. Um, read the book, uh, but definitely watch the show. There you go. Santori, you're not a big watcher of things, but have you watched anything since we last talked? Actually, you know what? Since I moved back to Minnesota, I got back into Netflix, and so I decided, because I always catch reruns on Comedy Central, 
of the office. So I just went ahead and spoiled myself and started from series one, episode one. And I'm, I'm in the eighth season now and, uh, yeah, I'm getting caught up. So I, I actually really think that show is really genius and clever and funny and, and I, I, I'm glad I started watching it. So yeah, I've been watching a lot of office lately. So yeah. That's one of my favorite. The Office probably gives me two of my most uncomfortable sitcom episodes ever, <laughs> and one of them is the dinner party. Oh, that's the greatest where, uh, episode. Uh, my favorite Stock episode. House. Yeah, and, and he's with Jan, and it's just everything goes. Yes. Everything. But I yes. think one that is way more uncomfortable than that is Michael's kids. Oh, I was just gonna say the same exact thing. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. One where he goes in and he had promised that kid. Uh, uh, Inter- or, uh, inner city or scholarships or something. <laughs> high school, I will pay for all of your college, and the entire classroom finished. They did really well, and he had to go back in, and pretty much say he doesn't have the money to do it. Two of the most uncomfortable, like emotionally, it's emotionally uncomfortable for me to watch those episodes. <laughs> you know I mean? like, of any sitcom ever. May I put um, a plug in there. Uh, if you're gonna, if you're watching the Office reruns, definitely listen to the Office Ladies podcast because it's a lot of real fun insight into the making of these shows. And that's with uh, Jenna, Jenna and, Fisher, and uh, Angela Kinsey. Yeah. So, uh, Mel, I'm confused to call you. <laughs> I know I threw every, everyone for a loop. What are you watching? We're watching the same thing. I'll let you grab a couple. I'll grab a couple. I'm watching some stuff without you. I'm watching no. one thing without you. It's shrill. Um, I'm back shrill. on that. I love it. It's got, I really should do her the honor of like looking up her name. Cause I don't want to keep calling her the girl from Saturday night live. 80. 80 Bryant. That one. Yes. 80 Bryant. Thank you. She's a She's brilliant writer. Fantastic in this show. And yes, the show at first I was, I didn't want to watch it because I, I didn't want another show about a fat girl. Um, I lost 75, 70, 75 pounds myself. So, you know, I can speak on this a little. I didn't want another story about a fat girl. She happens to be a heavy set woman and the story incorporates that into, you know, the plot, but it is not the punchline and I love it. Um, it's really body positive um, and it's really about kind of finding your own voice and it's just, it's an amazing show and she's such a good actress. I didn't, I mean, I knew she was funny. I just didn't know she had range and she does. So I've been impressed with that. I'm watching, um, crazy ex-girlfriend, which is an older series. I believe actually it's been out for quite a while, but it's like a parody of a Broadway musical each episode. It's pretty funny. Um, the premise is she is a crazy ex-girlfriend. There's no need to go any further in that. And um, I'm watching the remake of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. How is that? It's really good. It's just like the old ones, except in, you can't have, you know, anybody else take over the role of, you know, the host. So they don't have a host. You have to read the screen. But that makes sense because you can't replace the voice. Yeah. yeah. Robert Stack is a legend. Yeah. So what it is, is it's a single, uh, each episode covers like a specific one story. Uh, so you don't have that like middle ground where it used to, where it would uh, cover multiple things. But they do pay an homage to Robert Stack because at the end of the base intro that it's gone through before. They show uh, his face. They show a little silhouette of him and his face. Sorry. I'm behind you. I saw mystery and the door behind me open without speaking <laughs> <is> there. <laughs> <laughs> But it was 
So yeah, uh, the only thing I throw on to what else, I mean, she, she really hit a lot of what we're watching. Uh, we also started because of what you and Burroughs had uh, recommended. We watched the first two episodes of What We Do in the Dark, What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, in, yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah, funny. It's, it's, a, it's a clever show. So, I really love it. We're, we're just now getting to the part where the, the girl vampire is watching the, the LARPers and cosplayers kind of diss the girl. And so I don't know if you remember where that was in the season. I think we're more than two episodes in. I think it's three or four. Wait till you get to the, the vampire council. I think it's like episode nine. And they bring in vampires from all over pop culture into the okay. council. It's so fucking great. So great. Yeah, no, we, we, that, we, the city council was the meeting that we yes. were relating yeah. to the actual city council. So, yeah, those would have been like, I'm trying to think, but uh, outside of that, Mel uh, named the other ones that we did. So, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing really new that I would say, like, there aren't a lot of new shows that are happening right now, so you can't really jump out and, like, you get to go back and look at shows that you enjoyed from before, like Santori's doing, you go the office and everything. Yeah. I don't want to take too much time from what we've been watching this week, but I do want to announce that one other accomplishment happened this week, which is I finished the final episode of Golden Girls. I've been watching that since the beginning of quarantine, episode by episode. <laughs> and I finally wow. saw the end. Yeah, we're and about now, the same. Yeah, we're I'm like, about the what same do I do? End. Yeah. What? Yeah. You have to, well, Golden Girls is a great show. And that's a long show. That's a lot of commitment right there. That really is a lot of commitment. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I didn't let myself like fall asleep and miss an episode or anything. Like I went back and watched each one. And they're just they're great little series. So um, did you I don't know what I'm gonna do next. Maybe empty nest. You should do Third Rock from the Sun. Nice. Have you seen Third Rock from the Sun? That was a good one. Yeah, I used to watch that one. I had a, that Tommy Hilfiger oh, coat. I did now it's all coming around. It's all coming around, Mel. So another thing that I watched with this movie had Joseph Gordon-Levitt of Third Rock from the Sun fame. Uh, there's a movie on uh, Amazon called 7500. 7, and it's uh-huh. a movie. It's an Amazon original. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a co-pilot of a plane that gets hijacked. And he's able to close the cockpit. But these um, hijackers are trying to get access to the plane. And they start like uh, holding people hostage and killing hostages and stuff. It's an hour and a half movie, but it is like from the moment the plane takes off, which is like five minutes into the movie until the very end, it is nothing but nerves and tense. And it's really well written. It's like, uh, there's not a lot of like extemporaneous conversation. It's all like very uh, mechanical talk between the co-pilot and the pilot. And then um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is just trying to deal with the situation of he's in charge of this plane and people are getting uh, executed in the back, and what does he have to do? Great movie, seventy five hundred on Amazon. Highly recommend it. With Joseph Gordon Levitt of Third Rock from the Sun fame. And there is one other thing we're watching. It's the remake um, of Perry Mason. Yeah, we saw the first episode. We have to get to the second episode. Remake I like Perry. it. That's alright. I like it. It's just a shock to the system because it's it's a twenty twenty version of Perry Mason. So there's a lot of like fuck and weird stuff like that that I watched Perry Mason with my great grandma when I was a kid. So I was shocked the first episode, but I like it and I'm going to stick to it for sentimental reasons. Yeah. I'm waiting for the, for the remake of Matlock when you was like uh, the better call Sal version of Matlock. Is what <laughs> next. 
Um, what are we smoking? That's the next question that we normally we, we kind of bounce back and forth. What is everybody smoking? We'll start with Mel. I'm gonna try not to call you Nancy. Baby. I don't know. What, what did you give me? I'm smoking Igati yet again. It's kind of become my favorite place. I don't remember the strain, and it's not on the container. I'm also smoking Igati, but my version is City Slicker. And it's a sativa because I like sativa. Uh, Dave, what are you smoking? My friend, I am smoking a pre-roll called Silver Mountain, and it is from uh, Rocky Road. What's what's Rocky Road's uh, tagline there, James? If uh, it's open late, it's Rocky Road. It's open late, it's Rocky Road. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and we got some more people in our chat room. Dave, I'm going to have you. I'm doing a watch party on my own page where people are jumping in there. But our buddy Maurice, who has jumped in on a couple of different my, uh, my different things, came in to say hi. When people have their own things that I, that I can shout out for them, I'm going to shout it out. So if you like great deals, go see my buddy Maurice's page. It's called It's $5, y'all. And check it out. Got great stuff. I got to give a big shout out on that. And also, so, from, uh, also from the chat line, uh, Christy Potter is saying hello. And she's re-watching the Umbrella Academy. Academy. Uh, season two is about to drop for Umbrella Academy, and the first season was killer. So if you haven't seen that one, that's a definitely a, another one to go back and watch. Okay. You know, when I watched some, I've got about three episodes into it. I tried to pick it back up. It's just something that I've never carried, but I think now. Um, all right, we're going to transition into our music thing. But on our transition, we have to talk about specifically today, something that happened is that those of you who know me or have spent any time at a karaoke bar with me, uh, knows one of my go-to songs, as it's always been, is Ice Ice Baby. The other one is The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And unfortunately, today, Charlie Daniels, we've lost Charlie Daniels. Uh, 2020 is so crazy, I don't even know if he's the first of three, if he's the last of three. I don't know where he fits in the... In the, in the he's, no, he's number three, because... Uh, uh, Nick Corduro, the uh, died from COVID nineteen. He was a Broadway star, um, but also Enrique Enrico Manaluni. I'm butchering his name because I don't have it in front of me. But he is a very famous uh, music director for movies, and most recently with uh, Quinn Tarantino movies. Okay, so he's number three. He was the third of three. That's so we how fucking weird this time is, man. Right, the weirdest timeline, Kanye is running for president. So here we are, welcome to 2020. I... That's like the least weird thing that's going on, is Kanye <laughs> running for president. Right. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> rich that he could literally finance his entire campaign all by himself. You know what I mean? That, we live in a weird time, dude. We live in a really weird fucking time. I'm so glad that we, uh, we're in a state note. that has marijuana, because can you imagine being in these states that have no weed? What a fucking nightmare would that be? I never oh, used to that's uh, my my, Mr. Santori. Mr. Right, Santori yeah. is living in a dry Thank state. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I came back to the dry state. Thank you very much. But I'm smoking Minnesota's finest, I believe. I don't know. I got this from a guy from a friend that knows a friend that might know a friend that might have something. And he did. And it was sold to me, and I got it. And it came from Minnesota, I think. I don't know. But it's good. Homegrown. Uh, some of that yeah. fine Minnesota ditch weed. It might have came from Colorado. It might have came from California. Who knows? I just got to hear Minnesota from a guy that knows a guy that might know a guy that knows a guy that has something, maybe, if I'm lucky. Would you Check like on next Tuesday. Would you like to huh? 
phone number on the internet. <laughs> Give me your phone number, and I'll put it up <laughs> in post-production. I'll put his phone number up and his address. Hey, okay, I, I, yep, I'll do that for you. Yes, yes, we'll promote him. You know, just for my Minnesota friends that happen to be watching, they don't have anybody they can go to. We can just definitely give the guy that has the number that to the guy that might know a guy that has a guy that he thinks knows a guy. Who's the guy who knows a guy? So if you're in, if you need, <laughs> right, I'm a guy that knows, right? Who's the guy? Man? Well, I'm a guy that wanted something, so I, right? I had to start the conversation because I was looking. So I'm the guy that was looking. So I'm the guy looking, and then there's a guy that might know the guy that knows a guy that said he saw a guy. <laughs> and after that all that, something. Mike found something right. and is currently smoking it. it. Right. Yes, and it's not bad. It's not bad. Pretty well, that's sexist. It could be a girl, too. Who the hell knows? Well, but, you know, my bad. It could have been a girl. Girl to a guy. Guy knows a girl. Drug dealers as men are. God. But it's crazy in 2020. So let's travel back to the 90s. First, though, one of the first <sighs> things I about, because I looked at my list, Dave, uh, and it works in the 90s, kind of, is Michael Keaton as Batman. Close enough. But 1989 is very close to 1990. You watched it in the 90s. You had it on. Just in the 90s. I've watched it in the 2020s. So yeah. What do we think about that? Who's all in for Michael Fuck Keaton? Hell yeah, dude. I'm in. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I am. I'm in. I actually saw it in in a theater when it came out. So yes, I was as it is, yeah. yeah. So it, you know. It, it was good in the theater and it was good on HBO and Cinemax and it's good all around. And Michael Keaton is a fine actor. So I think yeah, we've he, all agreed on this show on previous episodes that he was one of the best Batmans. hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And my one I question like about that, just because you wrote under here flash movie. And so I don't know. Well, it, they're talking that it's going to be a part of the flash point. I think, I think what we were talking about, and I asked you if you were like well aware of this Flash um, uh, timeline because you are an avid DC fan, and so I was wondering if you could like kind of see where Michael Keaton would fit as Batman in that universe. So here's the interesting thing: is they decide to do the Flashpoint timeline. Uh, what the basically those of you who don't know the Flashpoint timeline, one of Barry's big things in his life is the loss of the. <coughs> So, Flashpoint, he travels back in time and he has the ability to save his mom from the reverse Flash. A whole bunch of things get messed up. Superman is kind of a bad guy. Wonder Woman is fighting with uh, Aquaman. There's a lot of big things going on. The basic Batman story along those lines is actually that it is not Bruce Wayne who's taking up the mantle of Batman. It was Thomas Wayne, his father, who after the loss of his son, decided to become the Cape Crusader. Now, the loss of Bruce also drove his wife, Martha, crazy, and she was the Joker. So the concept of Michael Keaton coming back as Thomas Wayne versus Bruce Wayne would be fascinating. And it works for me. There's a lot of levels where I can see Michael Keaton play, I would be fine with him old as the old Batman Beyond character. But if, it, if it's specifically tied to the Flash movie, then Michael Keaton could come back as Thomas and not Bruce Wayne, which is good because Thomas Wayne is much older. Um, and so it's, it's a good characteristic play out of that. So that's what I imagine. 
that way they can say he's coming back as Batman, which is technically true, but he's coming back as Batman as Thomas Wayne. So that's a cool concept. That's very cool. That is a really cool concept. Um, let me see. Anything hey, James. I want to. Yeah. Speaking of the chat room. Josh Youngberg is in the house tonight. We want to give a shout out to Josh. He's one of our oldest friends. He grew up on Trucking Pacific with us. So we want to shout out to Josh. Um, let's see. Christy says that uh, fuck Kanye and uh, Marvel is better than DC. So uh, chat room's blowing up tonight. So this is nice and fun. I would say this, that Marvel is better than DC in every aspect except the television. And that's Marvel for right now. Shit. Yeah, wait until Falcon comes out. Wait until, uh, uh, what is it, Vision and WandaVision comes out. Then I think you might change your tune on that. But you're, you're like, pretty um, loyal to those DC shows. I am a DCW fan, man. I will watch them all. I even, I started Stargirl. I have to catch up with it. And I started um, But we're traveling away from the future. We're going with We're going back to the 90s. And specifically, what we're going to talk about is the 90s music. Now, Dave, Mel, and I, we all went to high school in the 90s. Mike was really old already. So he was, <laughs> Mike was a man in the 90s. Thinking about being dead or famous by 25, I'm sure. <laughs> so, but, so yeah, we're talking 90s music. And the, the first question that Dave actually put out here, and I think it's a really good question, is where do you feel like the 90s rank on the be- as far as the best decades of music? Now, let's, let's play pop music, quite honestly. Let's, not, let's, let's limit this out, and we're not going back to classical. You can't. Oh, yeah. No? No? You say no? Oh, yes. You want to go all the way back? I, to- it's the 90s. It, I'm not going to go back to classical. I'm not, I promise I won't get technical, but I'm not limiting it to pop. All right, now you won't let it to pop. So the 90s, the question laid up about the 90s is, where do they stand on the greatest? And since Mel clearly had a a, a visceral reaction to it already, tell us, Mel, where does it sit? Is it it a decade? Is it a musical decade? Would you consider it a musical decade? Um, yes, but... It was very canned. We had perfected videos and, and, and pop culture in the 80s in a way that we had never been able to grasp before. And so I think the 90s, um, they were, I, it's tough for me to like rank them. They're not high on my ranking as far as like the past 10 decades, as far as music. But I will give them this, there was a lot of crossover. That's why I didn't want to cut out you know, anything that wasn't pop. Just think about it, like Shania Twain, um, I think like Anthrax and Puff Daddy did something together. You know, like if you think about that, there's a lot of crossover and recognition. I know we've crossed over before, like Elvis did rock. Elvis was not the first person to do rock. But in the 90s, there was a lot of crossover and recognition that I think was new. And I think it, it opened people's it opened people's minds. Like, you know, that's when I first started listening to like hard rock that wasn't just the classic rock my parents knew. Um, Cause I didn't, you know, live in an area where I had a lot of friends that listened to that otherwise. So it was a crossover decade. Interesting. Santori, I know you're a big music guy and I know you are too. Dave. Ah. Make me laugh for you. Santori. Project real quick. It is a uh, public enemy in Athrax. Thank you. I couldn't remember, but yes. So please. Uh, Continue. What do you, what do you, what's your call on it? Where do you feel like uh, the 90s rank as far as music? 
Well, I was gonna like say it was Anthrax and Public Enemy as well. I'm sorry, Melanie, but that's yeah. okay. But, anyway, but yeah, but no, she was right about the crossover because of the fact that it was going on in the '90s, especially with an album that was made for a movie called Judgment Night with Emilio Estevez and I forget who else was in. Jeremy Pippen was in it, I think it was, but it was about these guys getting lost in Chicago and. Whatever. But anyway, across the city in the middle of the night. Yeah, yes, yes. And they had like black crossover. Cypress Hill was with somebody. I forget who. Pearl Jam was with somebody. But um, I want to say, like, for me, the 90s was basically like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Soundgarden, um, Pearl Jam, and of course, Nirvana. And a lot of people really, really, and I know Dave does too, really, 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 really like Nirvana and Kurt Cobain. I'm really going to piss people off on it. I really wasn't a big fan. I think Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell were more were much talented singers mm-hmm. than Kurt Cobain ever was or ever will be, in my opinion. But it was a time of his grunge and all that. And I, and I have to say the year 1997 is when music started going really bad to the point where it's really bad now, in my opinion. And that has to do with the fact of a band called Limp Biscuit. I blame them for everything. <laughs> so, that's the year I graduated. That's the right. year I Right. And that was the year that the music went bad. So right. you heard it here first and from me. So if anyone has to say that or hears it later, just know it came from this source. But yeah, 97 was when music started going really bad. Keep in so mind, I, I was middle-aged in 97 already, so... You know. I was not middle-aged, I was still in my 20s. <laughs> I was still in my 20s, I wasn't middle-aged, I wasn't, I'm middle-aged now, damn it. No, I actually graduated in 91, and I actually went to a Lollapalooza in 92, which was probably one of the best shows I've ever been to. Nice. Um, but yeah, because Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, headlined it, Soundground was there, Pearl Jam was there, um, Ice Cube was there with his band called Lynch Mob. And lost in um, Jesus Mary Chain, and it was great. And then it just got all hyped up later on down the road, like music does. Everyone gets a piece of something that's good, and then everyone gets involved, and somehow everyone turns it into shit. And that's what exactly Limp Biscuit did. So there you so go. Biscuit killed the '90s music and music in general for Santori. Dave, <laughs> uh, I got to admit, I was playing with the uh, the Facebook page off of my computer. And I saw that you were really that, so I'm completely out of it. I promise. Now I do see you for comedy. But if you give us your uh, presence, why don't you tell me whatever it is that you have? So uh, Jesse Martinez is saying that uh, she thinks that the '90s is right behind the the '50s and then the '80s, uh, and so right behind the '50s and the '80s. Um, that's kind of. Uh, Christy said that uh, grunge and rap were the, the two defining styles that come out of the 90s, and I totally agree with that. And I'll, we'll talk about that later on, but uh, a lot of good conversation in the chat tonight. Nice. Jesse is a guy, but he's a guy who loves Eve 6, so uh, <laughs> we'll see what's going on with that. Um, Dave, so you know, you're monitoring that. What's your ranking? Where do you put the 90s in, like, the grand scheme of music? Yeah, uh, I've been thinking about this question over the last couple of weeks because um, Santori's right. Like the tail end of the, the decade, like the quality just dropped off. This is when we're seeing the rise of the, the boy bands again. And I mean, like uh, the music quality just really dropped off at the last couple of years of the decade. But the, the far, the first part of the first seven, eight years of the decade um, is 
incredibly influential even today. And some of the best music that we know has been put out in that first eight years. And so I would rank them right behind the 60s, uh, just because the 60s, is, you know, very political. Um, a lot of uh, uh, a lot of artistic uh, creativity going on in the 60s, um, and more of a, a pointed message going on. Uh, the 80s was, like you said, Mel, like this is when technology was reaching its peak. This is when uh, the videos were the, the big thing. So music was just like exploding. There's all, you know, so many different types of, of music coming out of the 80s. And the 90s, I would say, falls right behind that. And the reason I say that is because um, this is the rise of Napster. This is the rise of grunge music, who Nirvana, whether you like them or not, uh, Nirvana set the tone for the entire 90s. Um, they virtually uh, created a whole new genre of music that uh, people are still trying to emulate to this day. Um, rap, early 90s rap is the best rap that we will ever have. 80s rap is really good. 2000s rap is fucking horrible. Today's rap is absolutely horrible. But fucking early 90s rap, it, it that was the best that, that that genre peaked at that very moment. So I say it's very influential. Plus the technology, technology comes so far um, from the 80s to the 90s. I, I mean, you have um, look at all the the concerts that you've seen. I mean, like concert venues exploded with technology and adding effects and stuff. And uh, one of my bands, Nine Inch Nails, really redefined that. So when we talk about most influential bands, I'm going to talk about that, but more on the technology side. Technology was huge. I will give Nirvana credit. It's one of the few alternative bands that I was introduced to in middle school. I specifically remember like the real grunge, the couple grunge kids we had in my middle school making fun of all of us for listening to Nirvana because they were, you know, more commercial for the time. But I liked them. And my kids even to this day, the reason that they ever bothered to learn how to play guitar is because they listened to Nirvana. I mean, they are still very influential. I don't mean to take away from any specific influence from the 90s. I just mean overall, it was still very, it was just, manufactured a little bit to appeal to, like you said, the big stadium crowd. And that's fine, but it's just not for me, I guess. So I'm going to put like my ranking and talking to me about music is like talking to me about sports. I only <laughs> So, and I have a weird aspect that everybody else doesn't have from those times. <laughs> in the nineties, I was in high school and I was a theater guy. So I was listening to like musical theater at that time. I listened to a lot of late mess and everything. So I was really based out of pop culture or what was played on the radio more. Uh, I would say that the 90s for me has more standout songs than other decades do that I enjoy to this day. Um, I definitely think that the 90s continued the trend that the 80s kind of did where uh, the music you listen to defined your click, your social status, your, your, the people that you were around uh, for the most part. And so I was kind of a wanderer in a field because I did listen to Nirvana. I liked Sophie B. Hawkins. I love Garth Brooks and Garth Brooks. I mean, nineties were the nineties was Garth Brooks's time. I mean, this yeah. is Garth Brooks to a degree owned the nineties. Um, sorry, go ahead. But that's, I mean, that's where I would definitely lay it. I, it's, it's, it's for me on a personal level, I like the music of the 90s, but I also like the music of the early 2000s and the 2010s. I'm a sucker for a good pop song. You throw some Shakira on, I'm jumping in. So once again, much like sports, 
don't take anything that I have to say about this subject as any kind of <laughs> knowledge whatsoever. I'm just felicitating the conversation. Um, but yeah, no, I mean that's that's really where I I would lay that lay that out. I I think that the '90s continue that '80s trend of like, and I just didn't have a click that I really jumped into. Um, I wish that was your lover, Sophie B. Hawkins. That was her song. <laughs> she said oh, Sophie Hawkins. Yeah. I was I'm trying to think bitch. of the song. I'm yeah, oh, damn! Too. I wish I was your lover. Oh. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> there were some very <laughs> vanilla. There's some very <laughs> vanilla songs in the nineties. I like some really white songs. I like a song specifically for white people. Like, I, there's an album from the nineties that it would play that and uh, what if God was doing a spike and everything. Okay, I think that was early two thousands. No, that was nineties. I know it was because I recorded it because I recorded a bunch of videos off of MTV. Which here's how I did it. I uh, I recorded like a like old school mixtape, but I did it with the VCR and yeah. Um, but I don't know anything about music, so I'd see the music. This is pretty interesting. I'll record that. And I watched the back, and it it it, it varies, man. It's some country shit <laughs> because I had that tape for twenty something years, and I randomly have watched it. Every song that I put on there, I know, like. Uh, John Cougar Bellcamp with that one girl where they sing uh uh Rattle on what fire something yeah Bright Eyes Calling Wild Eyes Calling Yeah Wild Eyes Wild Nights Yeah Wild Nights Thank you Van Morrison cover Yeah Michelle De Nignicello for my favorite album out of that time I think I love uh, Atlanta's more set. Jag is a little Jag little pill. I'll say time and time again. Probably one of my favorite albums ever. One of the best albums, and I'm talking about full albums, song to, from beginning to end, and the extra song. I can let the thing play from beginning to end and enjoy the entire Jag little pill. I hey, just for the record, she doesn't know what ironic means. It's like rain on your wedding day. That's not ironic. That's unfortunate. That's what's ironic about it, Mike. No, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's not ironic. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> she wrote a parody song making fun of that. <laughs> well, exactly. See, she knows it too. She's just, you know, it's unfortunate. It's not ironic. Um, so the next question <laughs> is, and we'll start with Dave, because he can let us know what's going on. If he's in the well, chat right. And let him take out from there. If there was a genre or an artist that most defines the music of the 90s, who do you think that is? Dave, you can answer that question. You can tell us if anybody's saying it in the chat room, because I am I see a lot of people. Like, I got a bunch of people on my uh, co-stream or my live stream that I have a watch party I'm doing. I got, like, cousins, potters in there. Like, uh, there's a crap ton of people that showed up. Yeah, I'm, I'm not getting a lot of folks saying like what uh, bands are defining the the generation, but like Christie's into Corn. Corn um, was fucking great back then. I mean, first uh, album. that was one of the first like heavy metal bands I got into, like Pantera, you know, and Corn. That was like they own the '90s in the metal scene. Um, we're talking some uh, Biggie and Tupac here with Corey Kurt. So, and we'll be talking a little bit about rap as well in my answer because um, I think that there are. I think I, I kind of already touched upon my answer earlier, um, but I think the genre that really defined the '90s was rap. Of all the the music genres, rap, like I said, hit its peak. You had 
Biggie, Tupac, Dr. Dre, fucking Dr. Dre set the tone for the 90s and everybody else tried to follow. But you have the emergence of Outkast. You have Snoop Dogg. You have, I mean, you have fucking Jay-Z. I mean, this all happened in the 90s. And then you have like the East Coast, West Coast thing. You have fucking Suge Knight hanging vanilla ice out of a window. I mean, the 90s um, was so great with rap. Um, that I don't think you can ever capture what happened in that 10 years for any kind of musical genre. So I think the 90s rap really defined the 90s. And so that would be my genre. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, ice I Cube. I, I forgot to mention Ice Cube. So thank you, Christy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about ice Cube, man. Um, I would say that one thing about, I would say about 90s rap is that near the end of it, it became very like wrestling with uh <laughs> Uh, labels and versus the death row labels versus the uh, you know this, these label battles near the end were pretty goofy in the movies that came out with it all pretty I think but early yeah. 90s to, to 90 uh, almost 97 I'll agree with Santori to a certain degree like up until 97 like rap dominated dominated you know? You were having fucking rap songs. Number one in the world were rap songs. Dr. Dre rap songs. I mean. A white guy had to come in and rap as tough as anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Which is sad because he's like, he was a good rapper, but that was it. Like, it ended the day that Eminem came out. Um, (laughs) Santori, what about you? What genre? What band? What Give me a, the defining of the 90s. Who defines the 90s in your mind? Genre, band? Well, for me, it would be, it would be Pearl Jam. Um, and, like, that whole grunge area, like Soundgarden, Nirvana, um, Alice in Chains. Um, and then you had, you know, the good metal, like he said, Pantera, Korn. Of course, Slayer was there. And then Metallica came out, and then they ruined everything. They uh, Their album, they, they showed that they were a bunch of... You know, just they're in it for the money kind of bit. So their soul and their everything else was sold. They they sold everything out for what I mean, people still think they're a great band today, but I don't. Um, I stopped listening to them after uh, Master of Puppets. But anyway, um, but yeah, and just like when I hear like '90s music, and and he's right about the rap. I mean, the rap was better then than it is ever and will ever be i mean you did you had you had the godfathers i mean you know, we still have some like i mean public enemy is still out there doing stuff and good for them they need to we need to hear chuck b right now you know i mean just that kind of stuff because i mean it's a real shit and it was like you know it was good and it was you know it had soul and had rhythm and but for me it was always about grunge i mean i think in the 90s i think of you know grunge era like everyone grunge rock which is funny because grunge came from neil young and Black Sabbath, but then it became really big and popular. Just the sound came really popular like in the early '90s, and then and, of course Fred Durst came and ruined everything. <laughs> fucking Fred Durst! <laughs> I, I want to agree with Tori. Um, grunge is one of the the few genres that got better as the, yeah. the decade went on, whereas most of the other genres really declined. And I want to say that because Soundgarden sound, which is amazing when they first started with like bad motorfinger by the time they got to black hole sun uh their their sound was defined their their guitar playing their instrument playing was great they still had the same edge and the same kind of artistic um vision with their music but it was just better 
Nirvana was getting better. Pearl Jam, even today, Pearl Jam is still innovating um, so many years later. But throughout the 90s, they, they redefined themselves every, different, every album they put out in the 90s. So gr- grunge got better. Everything else peaked early and then really fell off towards the end. So we got grunge, we got rap that has been discussed. Melody, I'm going to get your answer real quick. But Dave, I have to go back to something that Santori said, because I feel like it's something that I want you to address. Metallica, man. You have anything to say about what Santori said about Metallica? No, dude. Santori is right on. Once Metallica put out the Black album, uh, the first, the first few albums, you know, Ride the Lightning, um, Master Puppets, uh, Injustice for All, they were um, really, uh, they're produced with raw. Um, they just let the music speak for himself. And then they went to the Black Album. And there are some really great songs on the Black Album, but way overproduced. And I think Metallica lost their way because they have not put out anything resembling the first few albums since the Black Album. Um, so Santori was 100% right on there. I was trying to start beef where there was no beef. Next round. By the way, Christy Potter hates Pearl Jam. And I am currently disowning my cousin. So I'm so <laughs> thinking it's been an excellent run. So we have grunge, we have rap. No. Which one of these guys are right or are they both wrong? Oh, no. Um, I, think, I think we all said it. I think it was rap. Um, I mean, for me personally, that's what I listened to a lot in the 90s. It was like, and it was, it was a lot of rap. Like, grunge for me was like like i said nirvana and you know i'm familiar with the black album but that, i know that's not grunge just for the record <laughs> but yeah 90s was heavily influenced by it but that's what i meant by the crossover is you know people who didn't normally listen to that were all of a sudden listening to that and it became huge people like um i mean lauren hill outcast snoop i think my favorite album of the entire 90s is the one that dave just put up the chronic I probably listened to that. I could probably still recite it to this day. Oh. The whole album, probably. I've been listening for the last two weeks since we even planned this episode. I've been listening to it nonstop. It's now on Spotify. The whole catalog is on Spotify. So, yeah, I've been going back and listening to Dr. Dre. And if we're talking about a single artist that defined the 90s, yes. fucking Dr. Dre. Yes. Absolutely. He opened a lot of doors for a lot of people. I'm, I'm going to go with Garth Brooks to help define the 90s. <laughs> Talk me and say I'm wrong, but let me let me explain my reasoning why country and Garth Brooks defines the '90s to me to a certain degree. Because before every because country was always set off to the side. Country had been its own genre for 30, 40, 50 years before that. Garth Brooks was making challenges to rap, to grunge, to everybody else on these billboard charts, and no country star had ever done it to the level that Garth Brooks has. For the longest time, Garth Brooks was the highest recording solo artist in the history, outpacing Michael Jackson and Elvis Presley. So <clears throat> I think if, if you look at a if you look at it in a grander way, I think that yeah, the country that exists today, like as far as country music that exists today, and kind of the mixture of pop, country, and rap, all started in the '90s, and they really started with Garth Brooks because he was he transcended transcended out of country music into the you know the regular music ecosphere. And I just like to be you know you guys put you know I had to do something different. I can't agree with you guys, so I had to make up 
my own thing, but yeah, it, it was it was made up with solid evidence behind it. So uh, and you know what, it, James, I yeah. I'm right, Mel's right, Santori's right, and you're right because yeah. this is one of the things like when Dr. Dre was the single most profound artist when we were growing up, but right. our parents were listening to something completely different, and so so what is uh, prolific and inspirational to them is going to be completely different than us because we grew up with a, a much different um, taste in music than them. So Garth Brooks, absolutely, he defined right. the '90s for old people. So I just want to say that. <laughs> and like, that is part of what I meant by crossover is that things like country became listened to, listened to by other people who didn't. I admit, I, I mean. My parents were musicians. They did a lot of weddings and stuff. So I heard country music, older stuff. I was familiar with like Alabama and that kind of stuff and even older. But um, at that time, like I was familiar with Garth Brooks. Like you said, it was a top selling album for a reason. Like everybody listened to it, but it didn't last. And, and yeah. The chat room is actually agreeing with you, James. So, you know, Bush Bay went backing you up on the chat. Ah. Yeah, I love the chat room. They're all wrong, <laughs> mind you, but they're still backing me up either way. But well, it's impossible to answer a question about what was most influential about a decade you lived in without putting your own personal spin on it. Yeah, yeah. Because none of us ran music. Back no, because <laughs> he was like fifty in '97. But uh... <laughs> well, I mean, basically in the '90s you got rap, you have grunge, you have Goth Brooks, and don't forget Dave Matthews Band for some fucking reason. Oh, I like them. I like Dave Matthews Band. He's a great drummer. <laughs> and you're not allowed to uh, you're not allowed to talk shit about Dave Matthews because both of the potters are on and they are avid. Just Matthews saying, fans. I, I I I was never a fan. Not to put Dave down or anything. I just I just you, you got to have a taste for Dave. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> his, his shows are very fun. Yes. If you went to college, you like Dave Matthews and the Beatles. If I was Dave Matthews. For bare naked ladies any day. Fight. Christy, I don't endorse this at all. I'm a, I'm a fan of Dave. No, I've gone to a couple of Dave Matthews shows, man. They're a lot of fun. I mean, the music is good. It's enjoy you have to be in that it's like the dead. You know, I hate the fucking Grateful Dead, but people love them. Yeah. You know, and, and Dave Matthews is kinda of along that same line. John Mayer as well. You know, kinda of like Thanks. jammy bands, but they put right. on a good show and I like Dave Matthews pretty good. I would say Dave Matthews over Bare Naked Ladies, though. I will. Me too. I and and yeah. Dave Matthews, their his percussion is is on point. Yeah, it's it's very sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Jaru, back me up. No. <laughs> Bare Naked Ladies versus nope. Dave Matthews. James got me right about that. Um, so we actually gave you your C point in here was what we were listening to, but we all kind of discussed on the other things what we were listening to. So I'm gonna kind of jump a little ahead. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to start with Melody this time. What genre do you think reached peak in the 90s? What do you think? And I know that we've had kind of said rap has, but there's an argument to be said that it didn't. What, what genre do you think, this is, it, this is as far as it got, it never got better than Okay. I'm not saying all rock, but to me, the alternative grunge Seattle scene peaked in the 90s to early 2000s. And there, it has influenced many other styles of rock, and I hear it, and I love it, and that's great. Um, I think rap still stands a chance. You know, I, I get it that, unfortunately, the, the main people that we hear, I mean, I don't like Kanye's stuff. I don't, I don't even know whether or not I can say if I think he's brilliant. I think I just like his music so much I'd be that biased. I like two songs by him, and I love those two songs only. But 
um, you know, there's a lot of good rap right now. I mean, Kendrick Lamar has put out great stuff. There's been a lot of other very new stuff. And with all the conflict going on right now, that's going to influence expression. And so I'm looking forward to that. And I'm, I'm giving, I'm holding out hope that rap will, will come back to that. And I think that with the advent of the internet, we'll, we'll see that soon. There you go. That's a pretty good argument. Santori, what do you think? Where, where, what, what, what peaked? What, what, uh, I, 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 I agree with all music. I know that all music peaked in 97. And then it died in 1997. It and then it was done. But if you narrow it down to one kind of form of music, what would you think? It would be alternative rock, like she said. I'm going to agree with her on that. I mean, and I do have hope for rap because of, you know, what's going on. Like I said, you know, Chuck D and the, and the boys need to come out of the Woodward. Nice teenagers come out of Woodward. They need, to, they need to come out because there's a lot of shit going on. This is kind of like, you know, the stuff that, you know, Bruce Springsteen brought up at uh, one of his, uh, I think it was a Rock Hall of Fame, but he's like, you know, we need, like, uh, Willie Guthrie today because of issues. I mean, you know, I'm saying that the same thing about Ice T and and Chuck D and Cube. They all need to come out and they need to like, you know, speak their mind about what's going on in society today and probably put people in check, you know. And yeah, go ahead. produce the younger ahead. groups that are that are saying those messages now in the right. style that's that's popular now. Right. You know, that's what they could do. They could right. empower exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, and I'm all right with that. And that's I'm just saying this needs more of that. But like I said, like it was a genre of you know alternative rock, and then it was an introduction to the genre of bad music after that. So that's 97. it. Boy, yeah, yeah, went at 25, and he never looked back. Well, so I think I know what your answer is, but what, what genre died in the 90s? What peaked, what peaked and is in its valley right now? Well, I've already discussed the, the, the rap peaking. Um, I really liked your answer, though, Mel, not Nancy. I really liked that, your answer, though, and I have to agree with you. Like, once Kurt Cobain died, then people stopped listening to grunge music, and it just couldn't sustain itself. Yeah. Um, Lane Staley died. Uh, I mean, you just, when you have your two heaviest hitters of your genre die, um, you can't sustain itself. And unfortunately, they, they inspired a lot of different types of music. Like the heavy metal I listen to is directly um, uh, a, um, directly inspired by grunge rock, but it's not grunge rock. It's a different type of metal. And there's, I don't think there's really any grunge bands out there anymore. And so it really peaked and now it's kind of gone away. But people said that about punk as well. And then punk became big again. You know, rap is down, but rap is going to be big again. Especially yeah. after everybody comes out of quarantine, there's going to be so much great fucking music coming out of this. Um, yeah. then, you know, rap might have the resurgence that you were talking about. Yep. Thank I would you. argue that there's music uh, on all those genres right now that is that you can only find on YouTube that people don't know the names of. That is pretty great. You know, my kids bring along things that I have no idea about and it's not played on regular things that are pretty impressive versions of uh, rap, grunge, a bunch of different things that they've exposed us to because we have so much access to music. Uh, my answer, though, uh, the genre that peaked in the 90s was barbershop. Uh, in the 1890s. I think barbershop, I think the episode where Homer, uh, the B-sharps, 
when they release their album after the episode itself was late in the 90s though that barbershop peaking in the 90s uh dave is the chat room agreeing with me on weird naked ladies yet uh actually everybody has chosen to ignore your question because it's such uh, a silly yes. one <laughs> I mean, Christy wants to make it known that she is not the Dave Matthews fan that her husband is because she took offense to me calling her Dave Matthews fan because she's a Jason Mraz gal. There you go. Uh, why Potter stopped watching. Are they life. having a beef? Is there an East Coast, West Coast between them I'm unaware of? I think, that, I think it's well known that she doesn't like Dave Matthews. I misspoke. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> Um, because bare naked ladies are be better, Chrissy. <laughs> Gordon's a great album. People went to college, listen to Gordon. That's how it works. Um, favorite music memory of the 90s? Uh, I don't know, I have no answer to that. Like I said, I, I Jagged Little Pill is a music memory of me. I told you to think about the tapes that I played, those are my music memories of the 90s. Music and sports were things I just did not give that much of a shit about that I thought about too much. But I will give it to somebody who probably gave a more shit about it, and I'm going to jump into Santori. Santori, what's your favorite music memory of the 90s? Lollapalooza, too, with Soundgarden, Phil Jam Ministry, um, Ice Cube, Lynch Mob, Lush. She's Mary Chain. That's probably one of, the, one of my favorite shows. And plus, not only that, but just going to the concerts, like, all summer long was great going to Pine Knob, Michigan and seeing like Danzig and Pantera. It was just a great time to go to concerts because White Zombie was blowing up then and just good time I and mean, just outdoor summer fun. So every time I think of the 90s, I just think about going to concerts and listening to good music at the time instead of like today. I went to the cool 1997. You went to where? Cool concerts are great. In the 90s, they could play people who played songs in like the 50s and 60s. You know, they're like, next up, the zombies. And, you know, like, yeah. Yes. Just, Sadly, the cool concerts are now bands from the 90s. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you want to see any of these people go to the cool concerts. Bare naked ladies on the next Cool 105 cool concert. <laughs> it's been one week. Yeah. What's your Terrible. Uh, listening to the chronic in cars that bounce and just hanging out with them, <laughs> smoking weed in them, like blasting it and singing along to the let car. me ride. Nice. The cars that go boom. <laughs> and we like the boom. Sorry. Oh, no, that was fun. <laughs> no, all good. And then also, it's not great music, but every summer, our Six Flags in the Bay Area had like a summer jam at the end of summer. And it was always like a couple cool people maybe. And it was mostly just, you know, kind of up and coming cheesy people, but just going because it was the 90s. So you'd wear your like bikini top with your uh, overalls with only one side on for some reason. I think we were doing that then, right? Yeah, that was I always fun. The, the overalls, yeah. Because girls, what? I mean, yeah. Even when, when, because even yeah. when you're self-conscious about yourself in a two-piece, like wearing the overalls over it, it's like suggestive, but you feel confident still. I love that. It was the end of summer. I still wear that. <laughs> <laughs> I totally need to get my senior picture with my buddies Lewis and Anthony with my overalls looking like that at all. That would. <laughs> you were, uh, you, 
James, if I can recall, you only had the one strap. You had the, the flap down yeah. and the one strap. Yeah, that's what we would do. Yeah, but, yeah. I would do that. So would I, see? I was like, I was like crisscross, except like... But front ways. Front, I was the front ways crisscross. I, I bucked the system. Dave, <laughs> favorite music memory of the 90s? Uh, so I'm very high right now, and I'm really <laughs> reminiscing about the 90s because I had just so many good things happened to music. So number one, spoken we with uh, you and, and all our friends at the Truckee Pacific, listening to The Chronic, listening to Ice Cube, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I saw David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails together. That was incredible. And then fucking seeing uh, Pantera Wine Zombie up at Red Rocks and meeting uh, Vinnie Paul from Pantera. I mean, that was that was like 99 even. So that was the awesome way to end the, the decade. But a lot of great, a lot of great musical memories. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, music, it's weird. Music truly in my life has played as a background of a lot of what uh, I've done. So, uh, but yeah, it's right there with sports. Fine, I'm at a concert. Who cares? You know what I mean? Fine, I'm at a baby. Who cares? You know, I just like being places. I like people. <laughs> I like people who enjoy shit. And people who enjoy sports and music get really psyched when that shit happens. So I go to those events. Um, so we're about to do a James's game, but I want to do something really weird right now. We're going to promote ourselves. So we're going to take about three minutes and get some things done. I have to step out real quick and then we're going to start the James's game. So we're going to do our in promotions with everybody in the chat room, everybody on my Facebook page, everybody watching, everybody just hang out for a minute. We'll be right back. But here's our promotions. So uh, quick plugs. I'm going to start with Dave because you may be the only person that has anything to plug. I do have stuff to plug. Um, about Two weeks ago, I put out a new book called Quarantine. It's a short story uh, that uh, I helped develop for a anthology that my publisher is doing. And it's a horror story. It's actually a ghost story, but it's set in uh, with a guy who has tested positive and he's being miserable and sick inside of his house all by himself. And he starts having weird uh, haunting experiences. And so you don't really know if he's uh, if he is going crazy because of the virus or if he's actually being haunted by a ghost. And uh, in that book, I have, I love to give homage to all my friends in my books. And so there is an officer uh, Watson and an officer Santori that are uh, playing an integral part in quarantine. So nice. yeah. So uh, go to uh, Kindle, go to books. Uh, was it barnesandnoble.com is the nook. Uh, you can go and find it anywhere there's an ebook available. Quarantine. Quarantine. Nice. Um, so, yeah, check out Quarantine. Uh, Santori, do you have anything to pick? Um, well, the thing I've been working on, I'm working with a uh, friend of mine, um, John, who uh, has appeared on my uh, Santori Plug show. Uh, we call him Dr. Detroit. He's doing an audio cycle, cycle, audio cycle. And what I'm doing, I'm mixing my. Uh, acoustic guitar and electric guitar riffs to his uh, drum beats and every, uh, other music that he's doing. So that's all I got going on right now. Um, and this, whenever you guys invite me to come on your show, this is all I got. Well, we're gonna, you and I are going to do something and I'm going to talk about it in just one second uh, uh, that I, you don't know that we're doing. But we talked about it, but I haven't told you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <Sure>. <laughs> tell us all now. No, nothing for me. 
What happened to your music show? I was anxious for the music show. I I have a whole like I will do it, but I have discovered that I don't really want to. I'm not sure I want to do a show by myself. I have to figure out how I want to handle that. I got a bit of stage fright when I started thinking about doing it on my own for some reason. And it's what weird. About that, what about your lady show? You guys had a show. You and your I hosted ladies. that, and I did very yeah. well. Yeah, where well, you get? Yes, I thought that so was a maybe, good show. I thought you guys were going to do more. Yeah, well, we are. We're going to do more of those. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. I also have okay. like a music thing that I started to do and chickened out on for some reason. If you guys but, yeah. Now that I've gotten my feet wet, I think it's time for me to. Yeah, it may be a YouTube video that she did. It may not be streaming live like this, but we'll work on that. Um, I want to shout out to Corey, my bar, me and Santori's buddy Corey from uh, the jungle from Disney. Uh, he, he did point out that he got to smoke with Burton and Dino. In '97, after a show, I'm sure that means underground music. Um, I think it's Deftones. Corey, Deftones, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah Deftones. No, oh, the Deftones. Okay, not the Pretenders who sang uh, uh, the beginning of Friends, right? That's who. That's who. Who are that? The Rembrandts. The Rembrandts. The Rembrandts. Oh, yeah, Pretenders and Rembrandts. Very different bands. Different, different bands. <laughs> Totally. Christy Hodge and Pretenders. Yeah, yes. 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 Right, I have one Wait, more thing to plug, James. Yeah, one uh, more thing yeah, to plug. So, huh? yeah, one more thing to plug. We're plugging. We're plugging. I got to plug. <laughs> <I guess>. um, <laughs> Dave wants to plug. Dave and uh, his wife and Melody and I will be talking Hamilton with you guys on oh. Saturday. I'll be really excited. So if you watch Hamilton, check that out. But what Santorini and I are going to try to work on, and Corey's in here, so maybe he could be one of our first guests. Because we're going to do a show that I haven't really labeled, named yet. I'm thinking about the Doc Box. I think it'd be a really cool idea, the Doc Box. Where I like that. We're going to just talk to former skippers and other people that we worked with, have them come on and guest on our show, and just tell you stories about what it's the like jungle. to really live in the jungle and <laughs> work on the Jungle Cruise. So, Corey, if you're down with that, make a chat out in the uh, chat room. Let us know. We'll get in touch hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll do that um okay so here we're gonna run it through here's everything you guys need to know if you want to follow us on facebook we're at we're at high podcast and trucky pacific on facebook on instagram we are at mile high podcast and on twitter we are at high podcast our email is the mile high podcast and truckypacific at gmail.com. I may have got those wrong. You got them all right, dude. I think it's the first uh, time. All right. Our Venmo, when you want to give us money so you can keep seeing us do We always get like that this. right. I always do. <laughs> it's at Mile High Podcast and at Trucky Pacific. We figured, why not give you two places to give us money? <laughs> Just in case you didn't like the name of one place that we gave you to give us money. <laughs> There's a reason so, behind that, James. There is a reason why we have two Venmos. <laughs> I just make money. So send us money. We'll keep doing it. And you'll feel special. And we'll make you feel special. And, you know, that's the whole thing we do. Shout out to all you. This has been a Truckee Pacific production. For sponsorship inquiries and comments, go to the Mile High Podcast at gmail.com.